over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of comments about, wow, are you guys all right? What's with these fires? Is that where you're at? You're in Roseburg and you're on the news and uh, your, your country's burning up. Are you safe? And the answer is yes, we're safe. Everyone in my family is at least 20 miles away from where the woods are being destroyed right now. But as I was editing this video that you're just about to watch, just a, just a little bit ago, I was going over this thing and I thought, wow, I sound too critical about things that I don't really know everything about. It's easy to be critical of other people's decisions. It's easy to be an armchair quarterback and have lots of opinions and no experience. Well, I have a little experience fighting fire around here. I have a fair amount of experience logging. And I'll just tell you right off the bat that if I sound negative, it's because I'm emotionally charged about what's happening to the country I grew up in. I respect and am thankful for the work you all are doing fighting these fires. And we're praying for you. We're on your team. And I hope that all of our processes can improve as we move forward and deal with these catastrophic fires that now are becoming normal. Is that just the most evil looking sky you ever saw? Look at that thing. It looks just like a black eye and worse. I'll put a time lapse on it and see, uh, see how that looks. Gosh, it's terrible. It's forest fire. Well, this is the second podcast now where we are addressing a, what feels like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of yeah. emergency in our local community. Uh, the first was a, in March when we addressed or at least talked about coronavirus. Mm -hmm. We haven't mentioned it since, but it continues to destroy lives. Yeah, some and... For different reasons. Economies and, yeah. and drug addictions. and Right. Yeah. And now we've got another one, which is forest fires in right in our little hometown here. So that's what we're going to talk about. And we don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge. In other words, I haven't been up the river yet. Yeah, I haven't either. But from what I understand, the fires are maybe 20 miles from here. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, or closer. Some are closer, but let use 20 miles. Yeah. There, there's been one or two on the edges of Roseburg, actually, on Southgate over to Douglas. How about oh, that? Wow. So what we're going to do is just kind of go through what we do know and give you guys an update. Number one, that we are definitely doing fine. It's just super smoky and yeah. orange and the air is terrible and it's a very eerie, weird feeling. Yeah. Most of the town in terms of people's work has kind of been set to the side, it seems like, and yeah. everybody's... Things are slowed down. Yeah. They were already slow yeah. and now they're slower. So here's what we do know. The fire has basically torched your home turf yeah but why don't you kind of walk the viewers through where you grew up and what it was like then and what it Good. is like now so i was born here in roseburg in 1958 and uh went all 12 years to the glide school district i have sort of a snide comment that i sometimes follow that up with which i will restrain myself from at this moment but when i was in sixth grade we moved from down here on the low lower part of the county um in the valley floor in sort of grassland and oak savanna is the way it's described. And then the hills begin to roll up and they've got, you know, different species of deciduous trees and the Douglas fir and cedar forest start. And then as you move east up into the Cascades, the elevation goes up and the timber starts. So in the sixth grade, my dad had been 
you know, in the classic, in the classic blue collar way, buying a house, living in it, capturing that um, appreciation and value, buying another property, living in it, capturing that. He bought a piece of property way up Rock Creek, which is probably 30 miles into the Cascades from here. 70 acres, timber, meadow, creek, deer, and salmon, and it was a classic. I mean, beaver, I did some trapping. It was a wonderful place to go from sixth grade to senior in high school. It was like Davy Crockett land. Like Davy Crockett land. And this this is from 1969 to 1976, so there was still real freedom in Oregon. Um, game laws were sketchy and not well enforced, for which at the time I was thankful, dare I say that. And so I just, I, I lived the, the frontier sort of trapper fantasy that that little 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old boy had had, you know, reading all those Western mm-hmm. books. It was great. Um, a couple of state parks, a couple of county parks. We whitewater rafted Rock Creek in the winter. We fished it in the spring and summer. You rafted in the winter? Yeah. We, my dad bought us, a, well, early spring when there was enough water to really go oh, down there. Wow. I don't know what my folks were thinking of because no, none of us could swim all that well, right? <laughs> That's crazy. And the question was, what, what do you mean life jacket? You know, yeah. it was one of those things. And, uh, and then we'd, we'd swim in the summer and fish all the time, and, and uh, it was great. Well, that country caught on fire last week, just about the time that I made sort of a, a short-notice trip to Arizona. There was a, a weather event, which is not vanishingly scarce, but only happens every two or three years. And this year, it was a really strong east wind that is blowing from the mountains down towards the coast, towards the flatland, in an unexpected direction, and some fires started. And boy, did they get with it. To the point that that territory that I just described to you, where I built forts and climbed trees and shot porcupines and trapped beaver, is all burned up. All of the houses up Rock Creek are gone, with the exception of one, which was probably the oldest one, the Taylor's Place, five or six miles up there, are gone. Now let me qualify this by saying that the only thing I know is what I've heard from friends who have responsible positions with different utility companies and one fellow I built a house for up there 19 years ago is now camped in my front yard in a, in a camp camp trailer because the house I built for him 19 years ago, Bill Blodgett, mm. is burned up. The Rock Creek Fish Hatchery, which is just over the bluff from Bill Blodgett's, is gone. Um, every power pole, everything up that whole drainage is gone. And down here in the lowland where we're at, like Nate said, it's just smoky and there's ash filtering out of the air and it's, it's quite a ways from being an immediate threat, but we're living in a tinderbox and we look at the satellite images and see the fire lines and it's burned over the top of Mount Scott. What a noble promontory that has to be, right? Burned out the radio uh, transmitting tower up there, burned down the other side into, uh, a town towards the town of Sutherland, evacuating several towns. But what I'm asking myself now is, why would I ever drive back up there to see that country? I can't, I can't even think now about driving up there to see what's not there. Just because of how sad it would be. Just a complete devastation. I mean, yeah, th- that was a that was a fantasy growing up experience, and it will not in my lifetime or yours be anywhere near what it was. This winter, it's just going to be mudslides. It's going to be 
Mordor. So what what happens in these forest fires? Because the big biggest trees don't burn in entirety. They kind of what what, what happens? I know it, all the the scrub stuff underneath burns out. And what 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 what, it, what, what happens? It, it depends on the conditions. And I'm I'm no expert here, but it depends on humidity. It depends on wind. It depends on fuel load. It depends on on if it's burning uphill or downhill. But the rumors that I'm getting from up there is that these were super hot fires. Sometimes fires will generate their own cyclones. I don't remember the name of the actual wind event. Fire NATO. Fire NATO. I don't, okay. I, is that right? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, how, about, how about a uh, pyrocyclone? But whatever yeah. it is, is the updraft gets so strong that it will pull trees out of the ground just from the wind. Okay, think of that. The updraft of the fire gets so fierce that trees will be plucked out of the ground. Now, I'm not necessarily talking big huh. trees, but Bill told me last night that Dan Myers, I think is his last name, who was one of the men in charge of the fish hatchery, said that now some of the big trees that were in the bottom are not just burned, but they are laying on their side from the wind that was sucked into that little huh. valley, uprooted and tipped over real trees and consumed everything. Okay, so that explains to me how houses in, in the woods, even if they're not close to trees, can just be yep. instantly engulfed. It must just be that, that wind that just sucks across and just kind of yes. ignites. Yep, and, and when, when it's doing that, it's, you know, there are branches and chunks go, flying up into the air burning and falling to the ground somewhere, still yeah. burning or at least smoldering, and the fire moves itself forward like that. It becomes a, a living entity. Yeah. And it's aptly described as a monster. And this one up there has turned into a monster. So I know you don't feel this way, but just so the listeners understand, obviously we're perfectly fine and you don't own property there or yeah. our lives are 100% intact, but there are a lot of people whose houses and like Bill Blodgett, his, that was his forever house when he built it 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I, it, it must have just been beautiful by now. Yes, exactly. And, and what was his kind of mood are, are people just kind of in shock or is it sort of like yeah it was bound to happen sooner or later or what's the what's the mindset for these forest so interesting people? so just talking about the, the blodgets <clears throat> when i built that house you may remember there was an old foundation there like like um a hundred and ten years old that's right yeah i forgot about that a log home had been built there on tioga it was known as tioga that whole area was known as tioga right and uh, an early settler's home had burned down on the site, and we built this new home right next to the shred of the foundation and the old stone fireplace that he I, used for an outdoor living area. That's right. Now there's two burned-out foundations on the same site. Wow. Yeah, so there's a bitter irony there. Third time's a charm, Third maybe, if one of charm. you uh, endeavorous uh, <laughs> listeners want to <laughs> roll the dice. So how, how was he doing? Kelly saw him two days ago when I was in... Arizona, and he was having trouble maintaining composure. Yeah. Today, he's got his feet under him. You yeah. Know, they're insured. Yeah. They actually had two houses there, both gone. And uh, but he's he's shaking it off. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be sixty-eight or sixty-nine. Yeah. You know, that concept of insurance is funny because people can say that the way you did, and it makes sense. Like, thank goodness. Yeah. At the same time. I was talking with Allie saying, okay, if everything in our house burned, how would we even communicate to the insurance company yeah. what dollar amount we need to be made whole? In other words, you can't be made whole. Yeah, that's right. You, and so let's say he gets a check for X number of dollars. That's not, you're not whole. You're not. But interesting idea. All that stands between you at that moment and being reasonably whole is a whole bunch of work. Yeah. I mean, you invest the labor or the labor's invested. You have something. It's not the same. 
Yeah. You're not living the same life, but well, there's some people come out ahead. That's why they. Yeah. That's why they. <laughs> yeah. Some people are end up smiling. Yeah. Or sort of. The 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 people who decide it's smarter for them to burn their stuff down and oh, do a yeah. fraud. Friction fire. You know what a friction fire is? You remember what? <laughs> yeah. that, that's when the payment book is rubbing for too hard, too long against the insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get a friction fire. But still, so these these people who even if they had insurance, I mean, and, and maybe he'd be an example. If he's almost seventy maybe it is only hard work standing between him and rebuilding but easier said than done oh man <laughs> when and, you're 70 and he was off the grid in that house i remember that he, he had just geared up his solar array he had just i mean they'd been working on it now for 20 years and he had it down oh i thought i thought he was off the grid off the bat back in the he, day oh he was oh but for 20 years he's been bringing it you know because he built that house like every house was built and that is just barely yeah. you know and he had a he had a diesel generator made in china that would barely barely come to life right. you know and and uh, but he had it down, and now it is officially off the grid. Off the grid, yeah. <laughs> it's become one with nature. <laughs> one with yeah, recycled. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Any other uh, rumors or stories that you have firsthand uh, that you feel like could be well, you know, true based on the person who may have told you them from yeah. our local fire? There were some real close calls and um, near misses. The whole town of Glide. Like I went to the Glide School District. This is the town of Glide was evacuated, and now they're moving back in because the fire was either held back or died back, and so the town is intact. But Lone Rock Road, the other place where I lived, where my folks moved by the time I left home, mm-hmm. gone. That house is gone. That's all gone. Holy and, smokes! And so, and I, I can't speak to what's going on in Sutherland. I can't speak to the devastation up the uh, up the Sandy Am, but Lincoln City on the coast is significantly burned up i don't know of anyone who has in their living memory a series of fire events on the west coast like this and we're not even we haven't even mentioned california that's right where there's probably 10x the acres burning in california than there are in oregon part of the reason i don't mention california is because i try hard not to think (laughs) about california okay but but yeah they've got real trouble down there it's just it's kind of unfathomable and to to stack this on top of a year that has already been insanity insanity it's almost i i don't know what you can even say at this point what's next i I don't know but you know i so i know that that we don't this is not a political channel but i am i'm no longer just heart sick at what's been going on in portland i'm livid i am beside myself with resentment at our state government for not maintaining order in that city yeah order's important it's not that there aren't grievances it aren't it's not that there aren't some number of changes, but order is important. And now to add this disorder of fire, it seems like every kind of entropy is on overdrive. Social, yeah. familial, you know, environmental entropy is at work in Oregon. It's hard to think, it, it's hard to quantify or imagine how much just, if you could measure stress in a, in a state, yeah. it, it, that number or that thermostat would be maxing out yeah, based yeah. on the shutdown the pandemic yes the rioting the people who are doing the rioting who are obviously quite stressed mm, the yeah. people whose homes are yeah burning up it's just every yep. it's it's not good it's it's seriously it's not, not good. good we gotta just we gotta all just try to be positive and create some uh, healthy distractions we, healthy we probably distractions. should focus on that by speaking of distractions um what was that like being in phoenix before leaving before this all happened and then oh. like basically the next day seeing pictures in chats. It was so strange. So I got on a plane to fly to Phoenix 
Tuesday, middle of the night, um, just kind of a yeah late night thing. And as I was flying out, Kelly texted me, wow, there's this east wind event and a fire started up the river. Great. And I leave the ground, I go on airplane mode. And by the time I get on the ground, you know, three hours, four hours later, there was a layover. Holy smokes, they're evacuating Glide. And so I'm down there, you know, visiting and and thinking, wow, I am in the wrong, I'm out of position. I'm on the soccer field in the wrong (laughs) position at the wrong moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To that point and to, we'll probably put this video or this podcast on the main channel as an update. And to those of you who are watching this there, we might kind of be reorganizing our next couple of weeks of video output because frankly, um, there's people around here who high expect are going to need a little help. And I've already got a call from a friend in Medford who may be evacuating a property and they wow. kind of just need hands and trucks. And as you could all imagine, we're doing fine, but I think certainly our priorities are kind of focused on the community and yep. families. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to be making a lot of trips up to glide, checking yep. on and, delivering yeah you know kelly kelly's making chocolate chip cookies and zucchini bread today and it's being halt people are taking it up to kim and john's because my brother-in-law and his wife are their property is being used to stage a fire um a fire suppression uh site and he's got a lot of fancy antique cars that he's moving out oh and guys up there helping with that yeah so so it just takes it just takes manpower and muscle and and it you mentioned that people are moving back into glide and the the evacuation level has been reduced by one but that's not the same as that we're through this because Mm -mm. as far as i understand if the wind just decided to click one degree one direction uh we could be back in it and worse yep and there's not any big rain event on the forecast that i've seen or is there monday small rain event forecasted so if that happens and the humidity's gone up humidity's important oh good yeah and temperature's gone down because of the of the smoke inversion. I was just listening to that, that the whole state's under an inversion. Yeah. And so that works both ways. It kind of suppresses and keeps the fire from spiking, and it makes it impossible to fly helicopters to dump water. Yeah. So there you are. Yeah. Well, it's, pre- it's really something. And for those of you who are also suffering and going through this or yeah. similar uh, events in other states like California, I know there's a couple in Utah and and oh, and Washington's being torched also. It's yep. the whole West Coast. So yep. to all of you, best of luck while you while you sort this out. And if you're in a position to help and lend a hand to neighbors or friends, obviously um, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. any other uh, comments or thoughts to share on the forest fires of 2020? I don't know. I guess the only thing that comes to mind is is uh, you know social problems are big problems. And but Mother Nature's problems kind of are at a whole different scale, sort of. Yeah. But as I think about the social problems that we have, it kind of. So I just heard on the newscast that the fire up in in the Sandy Am, which is over four hundred thousand acres right now, and the one up in the North Umpqua is about a hundred and twenty thousand acres, I think. Mm. That the one up in Sandy Am for a, a month almost was smoldering along on a wilderness area, um, four, five, ten acres, kind of doing gro- you know, burning the undergrowth, and it was being monitored and then as recently as a week or 10 days ago it was only 150 acres and it was being monitored but then there was this forecast of this east wind event east wind event but because of the two different jurisdictions the fires on a federal wilderness area butting up to state forest 
the state did, that had assets on the ground didn't feel like they could jump in there and do it. I don't know about the interactions between the Forest Service. Yeah. That's probably a topic that I'm not going to speak to. But the fact is, with assets within striking distance, because of because of our social gridlock, nothing was done, and now the fire is 1,000 times bigger. Mm. 1,000 times bigger. And this is up on the edge of Mount Hood, yes. in like line of sight of Portland, in just the most... Highest value. Highest value, most nearest to the population center. Yeah. It's just, it's it's really terrible. It's really terrible. And I, I want to draw a parallel between that and what's been going on in Portland and across the country, that there's been fires, fires, smoldering, and a yeah. riot. You know, a riot, a protest is a valuable thing. A riot is a heinous thing. But these things have been smoldering along and smoldering along and growing and growing. And if the metaphor is right, that it, it, yeah. oh, 10 days up there, it went from 150 acres and grew a thousand fold. Yeah. Brother, I do not want <laughs> the upheaval that's been going yeah. on in our urban centers to be a thousand times bigger two weeks from now. I don't yeah. want it. And that's how, that's how things happen. It's, yeah. it's kind of, like you said, smolders and smolders. And then one or two things happen very quickly and events events. Yeah. Well, sorry for the downer uh, podcast, but the bright side is we're doing great. The spec yeah. house has not burned down. We're going to take a as long a break <laughs> as we need to just to make sure uh, you know that all our family and friends are good. The smoke is weird. It's like a yellow orange light. Honestly, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's nice, the, cool. The nice temperature's light. cool. It it has like a it's not a s- real smoky smell, but it's certainly a, a woodsy kind of a smell. We're camping, right? Yeah, it's it's something like that. There's there are little bits of ash floating in the air, which that's that's not good. I'm sure we're breathing all that in. Yeah, well, we're not as bad as silica dust, right? We've yeah. established that. Yeah. Well, I guess we all we all have masks on, anyways. Yeah, so maybe that's right. the, the pandemic was a warm up for <laughs> us, so we had masks. The smoke makes it challenging for lots of reasons. You mentioned the helicopters and airplanes who can't dump. It also makes it tough to get photos i mean i feel like i expect to always be able to see images of you know disasters across the world just mm-hmm. online and you can't really do that with the forest fire oh, because, boy. because there's no great pictures because it's so smoky and you can't get there so even as close as we are most of the people i talk to are kind of shrugging being like i don't know what's yeah. going on yeah the yeah. the sheriff's department is doing like a daily kind of brief on facebook yeah but that's just one guy talking so there's not a lot of um images but there have been some images come out of uh down by medford uh phoenix and talent um the smoke has cleared and several kind of mobile home parks completely leveled leveled and i would say probably hundreds with of 50 homes. people unaccounted for in one of them i didn't hear that yeah a retirement mobile home center oh my gosh unaccounted for you know the implications there go either way yeah, so those photos that I, I expect there will be more images coming soon that are gonna just be crushing and yeah. and yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, and, I don't intend to ever go back up Rock Creek. Really? Yeah. Okay. One, a couple things to the spec house. Um, we've got some concrete porches, front porch and back porch coming up. That means rebar, and I've got a couple adjustments to make. It's almost in there. I'm not doing it. I got to get in there with a grinder and cut off a couple long ends and increase some clearances. I'm not throwing any sparks around there. Yeah. And so that may, you know, put the brakes on that just for a little bit, but Yeah. Well, this the forest the mindset of forest fires. I remember being a kid and seeing Smoky Bear and and all that and it was it made sense, but it didn't make sense till I was in high school and I was camping and I was going to start a fire. It was the middle of summer and another guy is like he kind of he he like tackled me. He's like, "Are you out of your mind?" And I kind of was like, "What are you talking about?" 
anyways, that's when I kind of realized like, oh yeah, if this got out of control right here, this and this, this and this, yeah. this is a good reminder for me and hopefully the whole country that it really does take care and throwing a cigarette out a window, lighting a firework in a place that you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, that's how these things often happen. Sometimes it's lightning, but yeah. a lot of times it's just carelessness also. But the rule is if there's an absence of lightning, every forest fire is man- mankind caused. You know, if it's not lightning, that's the natural that's mm. the natural spark. Yeah. If it's not that, it's either a power line or a catalytic converter or a cigarette butt or, or a campfire, campfire or a, an angle head grinder or whatever or, it is. Or a, a gender reveal birthday there, party it, or it a gender could, reveal party. It could be that. That yeah. happened. One really? of the ones in California was really? a, an errant gender reveal firework or something. Sparks. Yeah. Yeah. That's That'll a good point. Sparks. It's it, it's human cause. There was one in Arizona like eight years ago that was some Boy Scouts who left the fire a little too hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it sprung up and burned down like half the town of, I think it might have been Greer, although I don't think that, I'm not sure, but it was, it was a pretty, pretty sad thing from an honest mistake. An honest mistake. Yeah. But not every fire is started by an honest mistake. Sometimes they're deliberate and things like that have to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law every time. It's amazing how much easier it is to tear things down yeah. and burn things than it is to like build them. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that the truth? So you know, I'm a sucker for old cliches and stuff. But one of them to that point is that it takes a it takes two good carpenters about six months to build a good barn and a mule three hours to kick it down. <laughs> okay, and that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier to tear crap up. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a wreck. I remember being a kid and hearing one of your friends talk about a forest fire and. His point at the time, as I understood it, was something about how the the Forest Service and these these firefighting agencies aren't really incentivized to put the fire all the way out. And if they wanted to, and I could be remembering this wrong, but I remember hearing him say something like, if they wanted to, they would like drop helicopter loads on it at nighttime and this and that. And I remember thinking... That makes sense. Is there anything to that? Do you know what I mean? This might be a little bit so, so, too like out outside of what we know, but what? So, but this is a this is an extreme moment, and so I'm going to take a little chance on the channel and say that the whole safety first mentality has done a lot to create incredible forest fires, huh. because the the bureaucrats and bureaucrats are people too, right? I mean, I have good friends that are honorable bureaucrats. And every so often you run into someone who's a bureaucrat who's not. I just ran into one that works for the local gas company. Whoa, really, man. So you like that authority that much. But the rules and the policies that are in place to ensure safety. And, I mean, I've gotten my chops busted plenty on the channel for the methods that I use, right? And that's legitimate comments. But we need to understand that safety first means forest fires burn. Because just what you said, you can't fly a helicopter after dark. You can't fly, fly, fly a helicopter in smoky conditions. You can't, the list of things you can't do is so much longer than it used to be that what it boils down to is you can't suppress the fire while it's small. Oh. While it's small, you can't just jump and you can't throw a man on a D6 over the edge and down in there until it's been surveyed. Oh. And you can't, you can't send a two-man crew down there because you know you don't have the backup and their radio's not working and all those are legitimate as can be and their families are so thankful when they come home and we have millions and millions of acres that burn because it's approached in, from a war footing sort of in terms of the resources that are brought to bear and the caliber of the equipment 
and the specifications on what they can use and what can come on site, but it's not, I'm out of my lane here, but the fact is that safety and fighting fires are mutually exclusive, and when the, when the safety piece becomes as dominant as it is now, for which in many ways we have to be thankful, mm-hmm. the fire wins. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's complicated because for the firefighters and those people in these agencies who are responsible, responsible, and they, liable. it's not a question to them about what do we prioritize the forest mm-hmm. or these fifty. This that's true. Right. That that's that's not the question. Mm-mm. And I'm thinking about it. Not that it's even an incentive problem, but for example, I've got some video footage of Cy cutting a fire trail around his house at one mm-hmm. point. And I think it was just for fun or yeah. he was just showing off his cat. But, yeah, yeah. But um, it's amazing what when people are incentivized to protect their own property yeah. and prepare and keep things tidy versus in yeah. a national forest situation, I, I wonder if it just feels like the fire, the, nobody has quite the right incentive to do I, that. You know what I mean? I believe that. It, in days past, when my dad was working in the woods here in the 50s, there were logging crews going up and down all the logging roads early every morning. And if there was a lightning storm the night before, there was a crummy full of young, fit, gutsy, um, testosterone-burdened men coming up the road the next morning. And, oh, there's a fire. Let's jump out and put the damn thing out. Really? Bam. Huh. And now the Forest Service, because of liability concerns, just can't let those private guys go in there. Oh. Your tools aren't right. Your equipment hasn't been vetted. It might be leaking oil. You don't have training. You mm. don't have, you don't, you don't, you don't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so by the time the help arrives, sorry, it's a thousand times bigger. What, what do these big logging concerns, Weyerhaeuser and Seneca, mm-hmm. who own millions of acres, I mean, they're, they're losing out big mm-hmm. time. I'm sure they've had millions of dollars of timber burn up millions this week. and millions and millions do they send in like fire crews of their own ever to you know they because they, they do have the incentive they, they can on their own ground and they do oh but when they butt up to national forest the national forest um administrative process trumps i mean they they can't get over onto the national forest to do some small thing to help their ground but if the national forest needs to set a backfire on private ground and burn back up to the national forest they can i'm out of my lane here somebody call bs on me okay if i'm just playing wrong you know really if one of you has a contact who knows about this it would be really great to chat with that person and and kind of learn about how these work because obviously there's a lot of it might sound like I, i i should be clear that i don't think that the forest service or the firefighting it's not the department. Who, who Department of Wildlife Fires or something like that? Well, the Forest Service administers okay. their fire, the firefighting on Forest Service land. Anyways, you know. this is not a put down or an insult that, that they're like running a scam. I just don't know. And it just does seem like there's more fires every year, right? Everybody's just doing their job. Yeah. But the policies that everybody has to work under change all the time. And it always moves towards reducing liability, reducing liability. All of it. Mm. And it's crippled us as a, as a country, as a people. It's crippled us as individuals. Liability, risk adverse, every kind of risk. Risk of, of personal harm, risk of injury to the ground, risk of injury in lawsuits, risk adverse. That's us. Let yeah. her burn. I wonder what the, uh, to some extent in centuries past, forest fires happened also from a lightning strike and they would mm-hmm. burn because there wasn't the equipment to put them out yep. anyways. Mm-hmm. So I got to assume that 
there was more acres burned in mm-hmm. like centuries past mm-hmm. than there are today. So there's probably more standing timber and just burnable forest. See, that, Is, that's could that account for why there's more forest fires? There's more well, tinderbox the, forests out there? The, 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 the big dynamic, as I understand it, is fuel loads that prior to um, the industrialization of the West and small fires happened all the time and smoldered along on the ground and burned the understory, mm-hmm. the brush and the, um, the lower the lower portions of the, of the woods. At least this is the way we understand it now, looking in the rearview mirror without into prehistory and, and when, the, when the Indians were the stewards of the land and would set little fires to burn out the underbrush so that the grass and the browse would grow back so that the animals... The Indians did that? They did. They uh-huh. did. Um, but we have assiduously and effectively suppressed all those little fires so they wouldn't turn into big fires. Yeah. And so now all that understory's grown up. Uh-huh. There's also the problem of um, that clear-cutting poses because you go back and you plant young trees and they grow up and you know second growth um, coniferous trees douglas fir are gasoline on a stump until those needles get up away from the reach of the fire Uh, you know it's full of the oils and the resin oh so there's more young trees in the forest and and um the trees in the understory that have died and that have fallen or haven't fallen yet have not been slowly burned up by small fires every four or five or eight years and so that accumulates and when forest fires have happened and there's a whole bunch of trees standing dead and then the blackberries crawl in and climb through it and now you've got all this charred wood standing ready to burn again as it drops onto the ground. Yeah. It's, it's just fuel loads are different yeah. now, coupled with the fact that um, incentives for suppressing it yeah. are hamstrung by other considerations. Yeah. And so here you go. Yeah, what a mess. It, we God, nothing's easy. Nothing <laughs> is know? easy. There's the takeaway. I mean, I, I would hate yeah. to be in charge of a forest service and, oh. and have people be like, what's wrong with you guys? I would also yeah. hate to own even 50 acres of trees in the forest because I, I like would... Like Cy. Like Cy, right. Cy's got 100 acres of timber and he's sweating it every yeah, moment. Yeah, a day could go by and wipe out like half his net worth. That's you right. Know? Yeah. Or and more. all his cows. And all his cows. And, and I know it sounds like I'm like, well, a redneck you know, Southern Oregon boy railing against the man. But the fact is I have had good friends that are in the administration of the Forest Service fire suppression effort. I've got good friends who are hired by the Forest Service and bring water trucks and cats and excavators to put it out, have time on the ground. I've worked for guys who put cats on Forest Service jobs. And and so I've talked to everybody involved with this at one time or another in my life. Mm-hmm. And everybody's doing the best darn job they can with the constraints yeah. they're working under all the time, yeah. almost without exception. But doggone it, safety <laughs> first is great when you can afford it. You know, and we, we may be guilty of this, but one of the first instincts after any type of event like this is to think of whose fault is this yeah. and who do I blame? Who do I sue if I can? Who do I sue? How? How? Who's, whose neck can I ring? Yeah. And man... In some ways, that's it's a natural question, but you know, kind of like with the the virus, and you know, it's just complicated, and things happen, mm-hmm. and this is the world we live in, and there may not be some like magic solution that just that's solves right. these things. This is just sort of a the, the, the life on Earth, yeah. it's part of living. So, to to the point of you know priorities and and what priority and what incentive trumps at what time. Um, these people that are evacuating from Glide and pulling their trailers up right next to my house on the Department of Fish and Wildlife parking lot and stuff. Nobody's worried about COVID and wearing a mask. Yeah. Okay, that 
concern, which may have well have been a concern for them earlier, <laughs> is blown away by the more immediate concern of, am I getting out of here alive and how am I going to put my life back together? Yeah. I guess in much the same way that you don't see a lot of masks at riots, right? Yeah. You know, a different priority. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see. I don't hear a lot of people talking about the football games either, right? No, now. that's right. That's right. I don't even know if they're playing football games right I now. Don't actually, know. I who don't cares? Know. Upside down. Yeah, who cares? All right. Well, uh, thanks for checking this out, everybody. Like I said, there's a good chance we'll put this on the main channel. So if you are watching this there, this is the format of our podcast, and it's posted. The videos are posted on EC2. The audio is on iTunes, Stitcher, all of the regular podcast locations. We're trying to keep the topic range broad and so it's not just spec house and carpentry and tool related talk although there is that but we're 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 kind of actively trying to have other interesting conversations as well so i hope you check it out and uh any last thoughts for the viewers before we sign off let's just pray for the firefighters because safety first is important because it's a dangerous darn job and i'm glad i'm not doing it yeah, I remember in Arizona there was like 17 firefighters killed maybe yeah. five years ago. Yeah, these young kids they don't they don't make enough money. There's no money that's a, that's worth it. It's a it's such a tragedy. It's a tragedy for a single to life to be lost, let alone the life of the person putting some boots on and driving into that smoky yeah. hell. Yeah. So yeah, pl please be safe, firefighters, and um, yeah. for the rest of us, let's um. You know, tip our hat and do what we can. And don't strike any matches for a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next time.